Welcome to episode 345 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Joining me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Just moments before we started this recording, he was wearing a proper shirt. Now he looks like a husband from the 1940s about to beat his wife. It's Russell John, the Fisherman. What up? And I'm probably going to take this off soon, too. We're going to be doing a nude cast today. That's all I've been asking for. <laughs> Dude, it is a swamp in here. It's fucking If you want to do a nude cast, I'm down. Okay. I don't... What would the point be? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um... No, it's, it's fucking What gross. is the point of anything? I'm looking at you sweating in this room. Here's the thing. It's not hot. No. It's incredibly, incredibly muggy, which is dumb. Yeah. Because we barely had any rain, you know, and now we're sitting in this. It's just humidity. And it's prior to gross. this recording, we've been bitching for an hour straight <laughs> that is true. about how muggy it is. And I'm sitting in this chair, and I have doused my feet in baby powder. <laughs> it, does, it looks like you walk through ashes. Like somebody was spreading their grandma, and you walk I've through walked it. through the ashes of this show <laughs> to get here. Also joining us is Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Hello. Oksana, what's going on? Um... I went through, I opened every single door and screened window in this house, and it didn't make any difference. <laughs> There's no breeze. There's none. Just 79% humidity. The breeze has come a little bit. Um, yeah, the humidity is wild today. I yeah. hate it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this. It's gross. Well, let's pivot off weather, and let's talk about the absent <laughs> Randy Michaelstadt, who was not here now. Um, Russell and Oksana, you guys can attest that Randy told us that he was going to a wedding in Los Angeles. And in fact, he bought a new suit for said <laughs> wedding, where apparently he went to a black couture shirt uh, shop and got a Steve Harvey zoot suit um, to go to this wedding. Now, uh, recent documents that have come across my desk can confirm that Randy Michaelstadt is in fact at Bohemian Grove. So that more next week on his actions here. Does Bohemian Grove uh does that work with his Q beliefs? I feel like they're adversaries, not allies. Well as as we all know, Randy Michael is a complicated man. <laughs> That's true. And uh, you know, he, he lives his life to where one cannot read him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's over there. By the way, I have gotten that many times in my life. What? Where people have told me, they said, Clark, I don't know how to read you. And at first, that was always confusing to me, but now it's welcome. I kind of like it. Do I put up walls and keep a little bit of a distance? Um, yeah. <laughs> but most of the, I don't know. You're not hard to read when you stop trying, I guess. But this is coming from strangers. Yeah. I remember one time I was uh, in a wedding, okay. and we were in the. I was in the wedding party, and we were going around all day taking pictures all over fucking Boston like a bunch of fruitcakes. And in the wedding party, um, there was a bridesmaid who, again, I had spoken very little to her, and then she just decided to tell me that she didn't know. She was confused by me. Okay. Yeah. 
Was she flirting? I don't know. Is that the problem? What'd she look like? She had a fiance, by the way. Oh. So I don't know. Sounds rude. I I talked to him. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Was she drinking? Everybody was drinking. Did you do a set that night? (laughs) Did you do a stand-up minute? No, but what I did do was um, drink a lot of whiskey after drinking beer all day, and then at the reception dinner had clam chowder and then threw up on the bushes (laughs) of the... Um, Double Tree in oh in North Boston, rad. <laughs> Double Tree's where I got arrested, so we got a lot of good history. You with got this. arrested at a Double Tree? Yeah, did, I've talked about it like three times on here. Did they give you? You've never said Double Tree. Oh, okay. It was a Double Tree. It was a Double Tree, right? I think so. Yeah, it was a Double Tree in San Jose. Well, did you get free cookies? No, because you can get cookies at the Double Tree. That's what the oh, Double they were, Tree they is known for. They cookies. give you they give fresh. Freshly baked chocolate chip cookies at the Double Tree. We didn't. We weren't staying there. Yeah, I again. We went, of course we were at of the course. Klingon party. I never thought you would stay. You're not a Double Tree. <laughs> Is Double Tree <laughs> couple? Nice? Yes. Oh, okay. The, yeah. Then you guys you have Ramada Inn written all over you. Yeah. No, we do. Uh, <laughs> You're a La Quinta couple. <laughs> motels. It was also, it was before we were actually a couple. So. Yeah. It was that. God, it was like 20 years oh, ago. Probably. <laughs> curiouser and yeah. curiouser. Yeah. Again, we talked about it like three times on here. Um, so looking at the movies we're going to talk about, what did what did you do all week? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, <laughs> I've been in a dark, disappointing hole of baseball, and unfortunately, it it will not end. I want it to end, but it won't. And I don't have enough willpower to just make it end on my own. <laughs> what do you? What do you? And not watch it. Oh, okay. Because I'm so entrenched. And it's pathetic. And I hate it. And my life needs to change. (laughs) Because I can't keep living like this. Well, you could pivot out of sports and, like, get really into politics. (laughs) Because that is also healthy. It's the same shit. A hundred percent. You're rooting for some dumb team. One hundred percent is the same thing. Yeah, it's garbage. It's yeah. fucking dumb, so. God, could you imagine if I understood or gave a shit about any sort of policy? Ugh. Please. Yeah, it would be terrible. Yeah, I, I would be terrible. You know, I realize now that when uh, I gave up on the Niners and I quit the NFL completely, I uh, I guess I kind of lightly pivoted into politics there for a minute. I talked about it way too much on this show. And now I'm back to, like, I think all politicians are garbage. If you're rooting for either team and your ideology is wrapped up in it, you're wasting your life. It's like, the uh, I just don't care. See, the, the issue with me is not professional sports. I, I, I feel like I've always had a fairly healthy relationship with professional sports. It's college sports. That's the tricky yeah. bit. Because, as I told you before recording, it is directly tied into my persona. Yeah, your identity. 100% is tied into my identity. My entire life. Yeah. Is tied to that dumb ass institution. Well, same thing and with their politics. athletic program and oh, everything they do. The most annoying people have their whole identity wrapped up in this shit. Well, they, yeah. especially with me because it's uh, again, you know, that was my identity in high school. I was the Southern Miss kid. Oh, okay. And I grew up in Mississippi State in Ole Miss country, despite us only being an hour and a half from Southern Miss, but no one cared. Mm-hmm. And so it became my life cause <laughs> for people to care. And that was, and every year, 
from the eighth grade until the twelfth grade. In the twelfth grade, I was voted uh, wittiest because they finally understood the comedic genius. Wittiest? I, I was wittiest. Thank you That's very much. Fucking dumb. Thank you so much. <laughs> By the way, the picture I took for uh, wittiest in the yearbook, I have never looked better. Do you have it? I looked incredible. Do you have the picture? I've never looked more handsome. In Can my you get life. your mom to send? I tried to find that yearbook at home. <laughs> Um, I, I I could try to see if I can dig something up, but I've never looked better. Look, uh, throw it out there on Facebook. I think they photoshopped or something. Ask uh, people in your class. Be like, hey, somebody take a picture of that. But it was in front of it was on like a playground, so I'm in like in front of like a slide with a dinosaur face. <laughs> I mean, you took that good picture at the uh, Cy- Siberian. What the fuck is Serbian? It? Serbian. <laughs> yes, a Siberian film. That'd be a little bit different. No, but from eighth grade until the twelfth grade, um, I was voted uh, most school spirit. Oh, oh. yeah. I think I would have hated that, Clark. Hundred percent. Yeah. But here's the thing: the school spirit pro- wasn't for where I went to high school. I no, because I, that was the thing. I was just, I, I, yeah. I, I, plus, I always felt like it was some sort of consolidation prize as well yeah for what for attending yeah something i don't know i, don't I feel <laughs> like they just gave me something oh did everybody i know you did have a very tiny class right graduated, graduated. 43 people so they, everybody just yeah. got a thing no oh. I, i'd say half did the other half it was weird there was definitely even with 43 people like naturally there's going to be a pecking order and a class system but our class system was very strange and confusing, and there was a lot of bleed over. And I, I, I never felt like I was strictly in one group. I meandered. Mm-hmm. And I meandered with most groups except for like a couple. We had like, there was this weird underground hardcore redneck group that I never tapped into. Okay. Because they were just not interesting. But they would sometimes mingle with the more popular rednecks because of, you know, the the common theme of being a redneck. Yeah. And hunting and, you know, what type of, you know, radiator you should have or whatever the shit. So popular rednecks? We talking pickup trucks and like pop country? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I had a pickup truck. Oh, tight. First truck I ever, first car I ever had was a uh, 1990 F-150 with an extended bed with, are you ready for this? Two gas tanks. Oh, right. I miss that truck a lot. Couldn't do that out here in California where I think last time I filled up the tank, it was what, 680 a gallon? Yeah, at least. It was like $70 the last time I did. Fucking Down the street, I, um, I, I got it at 640. And last night it was in um, Palo Alto and it was 680. Fucking, it's incredible. Yeah. I remember... But it's made me pay attention to gas prices. I feel like I haven't paid attention to gas prices in forever. Um, Well, I'm sorry you had a depressing week. It's been horrible. I, I, on the other hand, uh, turned lemons into lemonade and we had a shortened D&D game. I'll be very brief about this. And we decided to go to a brewery, so we went to the brewery across the street from the Daily City um, Sentry, uh, the new theater we go to all the time. And uh, we hung out there. Then we went to the East Bay and hung out at Ghost Town, another brewery. Then we went to the Avenue, an actual bar. 
And by the end of the night, I had blacked out and walking in the front door had fallen into your rear view mirror and broke it, which is not which is not the worst thing that happened. As one of the guys we dropped off, whose birthday it was, uh, if you remember from the one episode where Randy wasn't here last time and we had a guest engineer come in, Eddie the Gamer Ghoul, name makes me cringe every time. Uh, we dropped him off. He was blacked out. It was raining like it should be right now. And uh, we all forgot that he kept his keys in his bag, which was in our trunk that we drove away with. So he was <laughs> locked out of his house in the rain at around two in the morning. And his uh, his buddy that he lives with, David, who uh, did a lot of the art for the last Uff livestream, he's a talented artist. He works at the Alamo <clears throat> where he's a manager and he didn't get home till after 3 a.m. So Chris, who was blacked out. Ended up throwing his phone, shattered the screen, took his anger out on a table, apparently. Like, this is all uh, allegedly, because he doesn't remember doing any of this. And sat in the rain <laughs> until 3 a.m. Where he got in and was completely soaked to the bone. Uh, he did He did get out. He, we had to get his mojo back. So he was at the bar at the avenue. If uh, there was a tall, bald dude walking around with a magician who hit on you, uh, that, that was our buddy Chris. <laughs> because we got, like, David Blaine's nephew, the lamest, dorkiest dude who had one card trick and uh, came to our table. And you know how I am. We ended up hanging out with that fool all night. And him and Chris just walked around the bar. <laughs> I think he had three card tricks. I think he had two, if I'm completely honest. I think that emotionally, you've never left the double tree. <laughs> Just that's true. <laughs> no, dude, this I was buddies with the door guy, Oliver. Shout out to Oliver. I was buying him shots. He's just like, thanks, man. Giant dude. Had a baby face. Incredible. It, such a weird night. It was good, though. So, uh... Can also tell you the truth. When I went out to my car this morning and uh -huh. saw that my, uh... Rearview mirror was smashed. Yeah. The first thing that came in my mind was actually what happened. <laughs> That's hella funny. Because I knew you guys went out. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, dumb yeah. dumb. <laughs> I you know, smashed, walked into it. When you when you told me about it today, I don't know why my instinct was some kids came by. And no, I was <laughs> like, what did some no? Even even when you said you didn't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. I still did not give up on my theory. Yeah. No, it's. I went upstairs and asked Doc's son. She's like, "No, you totally did." <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" I, I felt guilty instantly about being. What did some neighborhood kids come over here, like getting back at the uh, crotchety old Clark that hangs out out front? Now let me be also clear. I was. I still did have a backup contingency plan, to where I was like, "Well, I got to get a security camera now." Oh, because now people are fucking with my car in the driveway. <laughs> and this anyway. isn't gonna happen. I again, I do think we had a raccoon vandalize our uh, recycling bin. So I'd like to catch. I don't. Him. That's not a raccoon. I, that was some sort of machinery. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, something. It looks like a claw had punctured the top. Do you know how thick that plastic is? I know that that's, that's not that been there. I know, but I'm saying I think it was a raccoon. It would have been a claw of a the most powerful pterodactyl <laughs> that has ever flown the sky. Could have been a Bigfoot or a chupacabra. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's well, exactly what. Well, then we need a camera. There's our movie. We get a we get a chupacabra on camera breaking a recycling bin. We already got a chupacabra in this house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, you ready to start this thing officially? I got a lot of fucking movies to talk about. And I have none. And I'm completely hungover. I, dude. Yeah, what the fuck? You have no movies. I watch TV and baseball. I know. What do you No want? TV you even want to bring up? Or anything no. horror related? Anything good? No. <laughs> the start? Uh, we Own the City ended. Oh, yeah, you told me so about I'll that. So stop talking about that. Which you're never going to watch. I will. You won't watch it. I just got to remember. I could watch it today. Actually, I have a couple ideas of uh, what to watch after the show. But yeah, um, let's let's bring David in. He's been waiting. Uh, oh man, it's fucking hot. I don't know. Want we'll bring him in? I mean, do I know? Not really, because he's just been he's just been uh, cutting corners, man. All right, like well, he's not bringing effort anymore. What's your prediction for today then? Uh, I'm predicting him. <laughs> Packing it in. Okay. All right. So, weekend train. Um, what what did he do last time? It was weird. He did nothing. He mentioned Memorial Day. I think. No, he said holiday at best. I don't even remember. God, a week ago feels like a lifetime ago. All right. Well, you got an intro for him. Here it is. <laughs> This is my favorite. I, that's like my favorite bit. Only for me is to ask you if you have a David Lynch intro. And then you always you give me a look like, are you fucking kidding me? Here's the man who said to not watch films on your iPhone. It's David Lynch. Good morning. It's June 5, 2022, and it's a Sunday. Today, day two of weekend projects, and the fun work train continues to roll. <laughs> Today, I'll be working with cotton, oh. epoxy resin, wood, and glue. Sounds messy. Everyone, okay. have <laughs> a great day. Dude, he, I mean, with gas, the price it is, it is a little crazy is that, that we're flying him out for Yeah, <laughs> this is what he's giving us. Epoxy. Cotton? He's sniffing that glue. Uh, he's picking that cotton, yeah, too. What is he doing with cotton and glue? And wood? And wood. He's making a wigger man. What did they say, a wigger man? <laughs> <laughs> Randy, if you cut Randy that cut. out, Randy, if you cut that out, I swear to God, I swear to God, we're going to have words. Do not Randy. cut that out. What? Wigger's not a bad word. I know, but I know Randy. Oh, okay. I get you. Leave it in. Yeah. You know, we had a wigger, man. If you can believe it or not, we have meetings every now and then talk about the show. And uh, <laughs> one time they'd mentioned that I had a long running bit that had never made it to air. And uh, Randy's not here today. So when the cat's away, the mice will play. It's just unfortunate that uh, Clark is in a deep depression and I am brutally hungover. <laughs> so I feel like we're not going to be able to capitalize on this properly. I haven't eaten today. <laughs> and I did. What time is it? I ate. I broke my fucking intermittent fasting because I felt so shitty this morning. It's three o'clock. Yeah. I ate at like 11. I ate Wendy's at midnight. I know that's beautiful. It's terrible. I I don't know. I'm into it. I mean, I I would try not to do it, and then I would totally do it anyway. Well, that's why I have not eaten. I have not eaten today. 
You did try to convince me to go to like Jack in the Box when we got here oh, at last 2 a.m. And I said, no. Okay, good. Thank you for that. <laughs> you didn't, there's nothing worse than being like, you go out and you party and then you teleport home. And then it's like, oh man, I feel like shit. And then you look over and there's like an empty milkshake. Like, yeah. Yeah. And like a box. Well, I was saying, like, yesterday oh. I had hit such a. Well, yesterday was a weird day because I had a great time with my uncle, um, whom I, uh, you know, I live. 10 minutes from and I don't see nearly enough of um so hung out with him and we had a great day but it was you know drenched in depression with shit that I should not care about <laughs> and and also I didn't eat a whole lot during the day yesterday all I had yesterday was a bowl of grits one patty of turkey sausage ooh half a hot dog what the fuck why also a brownie Weird. And then at 11.30, I made the conscious decision that I was a little hungry, and if I get, and it was already late night, I said, today's already fucked, so we're just gonna, Wendy's. we're just gonna burn that, we're gonna burn it all down. <laughs> and then I had to come up with a decision of what to eat. Now, again, this is the first time I've had fast food in months. Mm-hmm. So I had to have that talk with myself of, you know, all right, we're, we're breaking that barrier. What's it going to be? And the first thing that came to my mind was Wendy's. The second was Taco Bell. Okay. And I knew, I knew if I went the Taco Bell route, it was going to... You'd have to try that shitty pizza? Oh, yeah. I'd shit out of pizza. <laughs> yeah, I would... What... I knew it was going to mess up my tum-tum. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, you kind of went light on the Wendy's, too. I, I did. I went Baconator or I didn't something. eat a whole lot. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing. Oh, well... Here's the other thing. Uh, because even with I was like, I'm going to do it, but I didn't go all the way with it. Because they've got a new hot honey chicken sandwich. And I almost got that. Nah. But then if I got that, then I would truly hate myself. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> because I just got a, I got a Dave single, a couple nugs, and that was fine. Bob's your uncle. There's no problem there. I didn't want to go to the darkest depths of self-hatred. And I feel like the hot honey chicken sandwich at, oh, yeah. at 12 o'clock would have done that. And you would have been disappointed. You would have 100%. Fucking, yeah. 100%. All right. It would, have, it would have been a chicken waffle Carl's Jr. debacle. Well, I'm glad it wasn't completely depressing for you. But we have uh, started the show officially. So I guess we got to just jump right into the... Here's the TBR report. Okay. Rodney Dangerfield showed up? All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Our uh, found footage adventurer and cohort, Thomas Burke, uh, writes today, This week I got to recommend a POV horror film called Wakufi, or Wakufi, The Origin of Evil. Also, I think it's Wakufi. It's spelled, what, W-E-K-U-F-E, Wakufi? It sounds goofy. So, I don't know. I feel weird about it. Wakufi sounds goofy. Directed by Javier Atridge, this is a Spanish-speaking Chilean horror film about a journalism student who travels with her boyfriend to a remote Patagonia island in the south of Chile to investigate the connection between the great number of sexual-related crimes and the myths and legends that surround this isolated and mysterious place. All right, number one is Chile. Number Chile? two, I don't pay attention, as you know this, but what I do know is that we've talked about this movie before. 
Not on the show. Are you sure? Yeah, we didn't talk about it on 100%. the show. 100%. Yeah, we've had a we've had a history with this. May film. I point you back to episode 111 where you talked about it on this show. You just made up a number. Yes, I did. I but I thought if I said it confidently, it would work. <laughs> no, no, I because uh, I, I had been thinking about this. So with, with Koofy, um, this was one of the rare ones that uh, Steinberg from POV Horror actually reached out and was like, hey, I think you're really going to like this oh, movie. Oh, that's how, okay. Yeah, and All we, right. we were going to program it for the fest, but uh, again, we're, we're a little behind the curtains okay, here. Okay, now I'll allow it. Yeah, he... Um, he wasn't comfortable doing the online streaming, I think. Okay. Well, you could have ended the sentence with that he wasn't comfortable. I, I know. He, well, he makes me uncomfortable, Well, because as, as the world's first cyborg, <laughs> he's still learning his human skin. Dude, we should get him back on the show. He's so busy now. But... I, don't, I don't have time to learn binary code. <laughs> Dude. We should, we should have fucking Steinberg and uh I told Thomas you, I'm on. salty today, so everybody's getting a little taste. <laughs> All right. Well... Uh, Thomas continues, I admire this film. Uh, Oksana, you normally fix these. Look at, look at this grammar here. You got to make Thomas sound good for me. We normally have, uh, Oksana rewrite these, usually edit them for time. Uh, I admire this film. I'm going to continue reading. I'll read it how it is. I admire this film is because of its natural ability to hold up authenticity. Wait, no, go ahead. Stay into the mic. That was my fault. Okay. Uh, particularly with the journey and general storyline. Right off the bat, this gave me touristy traveling gone wrong vibes. Go ahead, Clark. Real quick. So, just so I'm clear, and yeah. I'm on the same page here, because I, I don't, I, again, you know, the inner workings of the show, you know, you do all of it. <laughs> I do very little on this show. But, um,. So when Thomas sends an email in, yeah. you have to proof it and then send it to you? Uh, it's very complicated. This Jesus is a, Christ. This is a crazy operation. Well, no, it's one of those things where Thomas, who uh, you know sleeps every third day and is working Jesus. On, on, on 40 different movies, uh, it, you know, God, reading and doing the show, trying to be like in the moment, you, God, you know how hard it is to just read. So, like, if there's anything messed up in there, it will, like, throw me off. So, I usually have her edit it. And then, a lot of the times, condense it. Because, you know, again, we're, we're very behind the curtain now. But normally, when I'm setting it up, if, like, even an IMDb synopsis, I don't want to, like, read it and then go to the email and have it, like, in there. Because I'll just roll right through well, it. cold reads are hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's all. And I, it, apparently, Oksana messed this one up. Anyway, back to the email. Uh, he was just talking about how it gave him touristy traveling vibes gone wrong. Um, and I don't think it's much of a spoiler to for me to mention that up front. Also, I won't say that this is one of those J-horror recommendations that involves any sort of weird tentacle creature or limb, but it does have a satisfying conclusion nonetheless. Check it out and let me know what you think. Wakufi is available on POV Horror as well as on Tubi and other digital platform. Cheers, y'all. Excited to hear your take on this. All the best, heart emoji, Thomas B, F-F-A-B-E-N-R-A-E, found footage adventurer, backslash, Esquire, except not really an Esquire. Now, say, Oksana, you could have cut all that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I give her specific... That's, so, that's the flair. You can't cut out the flair. Honestly, the, the sign-off part, whenever she forwards me the email, it will, like, condense it. So the first time she sent it, I got very angry. I was like, why the fuck did you cut out his, his incredibly long acronym? And she's like, I didn't. And we had to figure out there's three little dots. You click them and it will like open uh, yes, it up. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. No, yes she, so she knows better. Otherwise, she gets hit. <laughs> well, you're wearing the shirt for it. I know. I am uh, also erecting my own wigger man in the backyard. <laughs> so you're going to end up in it if you try and edit my emails. Anyway, yeah, with, with Koofy, we were going to show it. Um, and, you know, justifiably, the world premiere ending up on the Internet isn't the best marketing. So uh, we ended up not. And I believe at one point we even had an interview with uh, Javier, like, lined up. But he had an emergency. And we just kind of kept going. So Wakufi. Um, oh, was this uh, food poisoning? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I remember we had a food He poisoning. probably listened to the show and was like, ah, no, I'm not doing this. And then made up food. Ear poisoning. <laughs> exactly. So um, Wakufi is a lot like the Blair Witch, where we're doing a mockumentary where we have a documentary format where we have a couple going out to make a like like Tom had mentioned a film about um chili legends Chilean Chilean legends and uh chili I'm a chili's legend <laughs> they love me over there and dude this movie they talk so much about rape like, there's so much rape talk. Also, I don't know if... They Tom, talk about it? Yeah. And well, they don't do it? So one of my... Pussies. No, no, well, I mean, uh, watch it and find out. But one of my favorite things about this is th- there's some interviews in here that just can't be staged. Like, they're going to flea markets and shit. And it's one of those things where if you're watching... If you're a found footage fan, you like to see new shit. And there's a lot of visual candy in here. And... It's a little weird. They do the indie thing that I normally complain about where it's like, oh, we're filming a drama. But, you know, in the front room of these couple's house, they have like uh, horror movie posters everywhere. And you're like, like, it feels so like, I don't know, like they're not really doing a lot to create this world, this lived in world. And in this one, we clearly have the director talking about horror shit like a lot. And he he makes an argument that Lovecraft had um, come up with the uh, Cthulhu legend from um, uh, Chilean lore. And he makes a pretty convincing argument. He also tries to say that Moby Dick was based on a Chilean legend. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of cool conversation here. Um, Again, they do talk about this monster. So there's a rapey monster in this movie. Like, that's the legend they're most interested in. You've done back-to-back TBR report rapey monsters. And uh, their dong is a big talking point. What, you... They mention multiple times dong in this movie, monster how, dong. How could it not be? And that's why I'm like, did Tom, uh, is he shooting from the hip with these dong monster movies? <laughs> I don't know what he wants It wasn't a dong. <laughs> it was a dong monster. Yeah, so... In this one, there's not like gratuitous dong or anything, but they talk about it a lot. And they go back to their um, early heritage where they they had been colonized. And they kept saying it was European men who came over without any women and just were like raping women. So they had come up with this legend to kind of explain the cultural trauma. And I mean, it's really interesting. Uh they they take a different approach than the Blair Witch in the way that the Blair Witch, when we're in town talking to locals, we spend about 20 minutes. Like, it's maybe the first act. It's very short. This film does a reverse. So we're it's two, two-thirds of this movie is um, interviews on the pier, a lot of beautiful scenery. And then the last part is, you know, the found footage unraveling. And, hey, man, it's pretty cool. I... 
if you're really um a fan of like this format, like I don't know exactly what to call it. I guess this is like true found footage horror. This one's not reinventing the wheel, and it's pretty good. So I mean, jump on Tubi. I I watched it on there again today, and I believe it only had two commercial breaks, which I was kind of shocked about. And well placed. I still am arguing that somebody or their algorithm is good at Tubi. If you do watch on Tubi, you have to put on the closed captions too. There's no hard coded subtitles. So uh be warned. The bad commercial cuts are brutal. I you know, I've never had that experience though with uh Tubi. I, I remember I tried to watch the changeling on one of those uh on Tubi? Com- I th- was it Tubi? Or it might have been IMDB. It was Tubi or it was Zwaggle or <laughs> Mlex, I don't know. Whatever all that bullshit is, and it was it was unwatchable. I think you talked about it. Oh yeah, there. because yeah, it yeah. was like in the middle of a piano stroke. Yep. And then it cut back, and he finished the piano note. I'm like, <laughs> God damn. Yeah. No, you. There's one thing I wanted to mention about this movie. Is this a thing? I'm asking both of you in the room, where they have like we're doing Fodox, where they interview a politician. And then a disgruntled citizen interrupts them. Have we, was that, did that happen in Dwellers? You mean like on the street? Yeah. Like they have like the mayor and they're talking to him and somebody comes up like, you piece of shit. Yeah. Because it happened in this movie and I'm like. What happens on MSNBC every day? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a trope of like faux documentary. It's really, I don't know. That that was just a weird mental tangent I went on when I was watching this. Anyway, Wakufi's cool. Check it out. Um, Also, shout out to the sick shirt um, our lead dude is wearing at the end of the movie. I believe, what was it called? It was Madhouse 8? I think so. It, I couldn't tell if it was a, I mean, I'm guessing it's a movie because of the number, but it, it also felt like it could have been a band. All right, are you looking that up? Yeah. You put Madhouse 8? Whoops. Uh, nope. Yeah, I don't know. We can't find it with a quick Google search. But, uh, yeah, Wakufi, check it out. POV Horror. This concludes the TBR Report. This concludes the TBR Report. Oh, man, I'm missing Randy already. I don't like this recording business. I keep looking over here at the board and everything. And we used Randy to do come it. Back. I know. I don't miss it. Yeah. I really don't. I, I, it is nice not to be on camera, even though we haven't really used any of that footage. That's why I'm currently naked, surviving this You keep threatening this naked thing. I'll fucking do it right <laughs> now. I don't give a shit. You practically are. You're in an invisible shirt. I'll take my shirt off right now. I don't give a shit. I mean, leave it on. Do you can see me? everything. Do you dare No, I'm not daring you. Dare Actually, me. I dare you to keep it on. See? This is a sharp man. This is a sharp man here. No, I didn't. It's not good radio for you to get naked. It is good radio. Mm-mm. Well, the- so it's theater of the mind. You yeah. can just say it happens. Theater of the mind. No, right. no, no. We give truth on this show. Okay. <laughs> well, so how do we do this now without Randy here? Well, I, 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 I okay. First of all, fuck you for that. <laughs> how fucking dare you? What does he do on this show? I don't know. He. Turns his camera off and goes to the bathroom. He does. He does everything on the show that doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm kidding, Randy. I love. <laughs> I did watch something, and I won't talk about it. Joe Bob Briggs is a name, and to me, as a man in my mid thirties, 
Russell, that's all he is. That's all he, that's all he has been to me, is a name. I've never engaged. I never watched his show that he had on the, the Turner Network. Yeah. Yeah, didn't do it. Don't know why. Probably because I was because my mother raised me to be a little gay boy, and I watched dinner in a movie instead. <laughs> I hated dinner in a movie. I honestly think my mother tried to do her best to to make me gay. Why? Because I was gay. She was grooming you. I think so. Cool. Yeah. That's why you got that good style. Now. When I was when I was a kid, and I used to get made fun of this, but I didn't. I wasn't responsible for buying my own baseball pants, but my baseball pants were always too tight. And my teammates were like, why are your baseball pants <laughs> so tight? I was like, I don't know. And then I asked my mom, I was like, why, why are you giving me tight baseball pants? She's like, well, they're supposed to be tight. I said, no, they're not. Oh, my God. I'm not a gymnast. <laughs> this is my life. Baseball uniforms are the most casual. They're the most fucking casual uniforms. No. Okay, what's more casual? Basketball. Okay. Basketball yeah. shorts. Modern basketball. You don't wear... Yeah. Baseball cleats lounging around. Okay, yeah. Okay, you win. Yeah. Don't fuck with me with sports, dude. <laughs> sports clothes. That's all I know. I don't know why a Baltimore accent came out. Baltimore accent, let's be very clear. It's the worst accent. It's a trash accent with trash people. <laughs> Bury you with fucking Old Bay in your coffin, you worthless piece of shit. Look, here's the thing. Joe Bob Briggs... <laughs> I don't know. I, I just decided to watch um, an episode. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Well, isn't that sort of demeaning of the film that he's portraying? I don't know. Well, I mean, he's to hosting up the movie. In, so he is hosting. Yeah. Which I do. I like the idea. Me too. Of that. I mean, we do it. Who else other than Joe Bob is doing that on such a big level? Well, there used to be a ton of people, but now... Well, like local stations. You know, we yeah. had, uh, you know, the coffee TV guys. Yep. Um, and I, I, it's a lost art form, certainly, and I, I do like it. Me too. It's an interactive thing. It's, it's communal Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think we need more of it. And, uh, after watching one Joe Bob, I'm a fan. It was fun. Dude is an encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, you know, doing his old rundown thing, but you know, he knows a lot. Um, his, uh, co-host um, is an absolute zero. <laughs> what is the deal with that whore? I've no idea. Look at look at her plastic face. Honestly, I used to watch uh, Monster Vision when I was younger, but like not like avidly or anything. So I'm aware of him, and he comes up in a lot of like horror literature because he's like the first real critic to really See, give value to horror. She's yeah. what I call a chameleon whore. You never know what, oh, what she changes. She does not look like that in other pictures because she's she has a sad existence. Again, now we don't have Randy here today, so the monitor that we normally have him broadcasting from is uh, replaced with uh, Oksana's screen. We're just mirroring it. So everything she's doing, we see. And if you go on YouTube, you can see them too. That's how we put up the videos. I but. think in the metadata this week, I'm just going to put Clark as, uh, was in a mood and it's <laughs> just really mean. Look, all, all these autographed photos you can buy, they're all just mostly her boobs when she's in them. Yeah, that's her thing. Yeah, that's those aren't her boobs. Those are science's boobs. <laughs> here, we all need a gimmick. I got rings which I left two of them at work, don't want to talk about it. And she's got boobs. 
She's got boobs. <laughs> so what was the movie he was covering? Well, I decided that I wanted to do a, a film that I had not seen. And this is a film that everybody... This was a big... This was a huge film. And was a part of... Um, oh, what do they call it? Kiwi something. Oh, okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know, what but I, I know what you're talking. I know the movie, though. Yeah, yeah. So I saw Housebound. Awesome from New Zealand. Now, see, you say awesome. I love that movie. Okay. I'd like to have a discussion as to why. It's good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's funny. It kept me guessing. Is it? Yeah. Just because you're in a bad mood because of a fucking baseball team. I, I, I'm telling you right now. I think, And we're going to talk about this more in the main movie that we're going to talk about um, that you guys saw theatrically and I saw at home. And I think we saw it at the exact same time. Maybe, yeah. Because um, I came in Friday night and watched it. But, um, yeah, I've got... So uh, you didn't like Housebound. We have a different opinion. I, I didn't feel anything. That's a you problem. I'm not saying that it's not. <laughs> That's a total you problem. I'm not saying that it's not. But what I am saying is that I don't know if this is the detriment of Joe Bob. Did Joe Bob take me out of the movie? Oh, maybe. Did I take myself out of the movie? Yeah, I could see that. Well, also, uh, like you mentioned, people really enjoyed that film, especially us, like here. And... um expectations man you come in there you're expecting something crazy we watched it as a weird kiwi indie film yeah and we're like holy shit that was fucking good yeah that's fine and i th yeah. i think under that um you know packaging and that framing um because it, it, here's the thing framing's all important yeah and again you know this is sort of a preface to the conversation that we're gonna have in a few moments about uh you know dash cam we'll mm -hmm. go ahead and say that but uh, yeah, I don't know. Also, I feel like the runtime angered me. Why? What was the runtime? Well, with the whole Joe Bob and, uh, you know, Dead Tits, um, production, this thing was like two hours and 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I think shit. I was just exhausted. Housebound is two hours and 21 minutes? It's an hour 47. Oh, okay. On its own. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't remember Bob, it being it that long. It went on forever, dude. It's almost two hours long. I did not remember that. Yeah, I could see that hurting it for you. No, but it, that movie it kept turning directions I couldn't predict. Like when the cop showed up, and then they were talking about doing paranormal. Or I can't. God, I that was great. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm into it." That and, was awesome. But I mean, like that whole movie was constantly, like I was, I could never predict where we were going. I just I thought it was like. A very interesting script. I I really liked it from what I remember. I should rewatch it. Maybe I'll watch the Joe Bob thing. Also, I don't know. I don't like angsty, sad girls. <laughs> Get it together. But that's it. You got nothing <laughs> else on Housebound. I honestly, wow. that's why I did, that's why I forgot about it because I don't really have a whole lot to say. Oh, other okay, than it was just very meh because mm -hmm. I'm just in a very meh. State of mind. All right. Well, state of existence. You didn't watch the uh, Norm Macdonald special? Oh, I did watch the Norm Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I totally Dude, did. Dude, how that. was that? You know. Man. Man. <laughs> My God. No. Um, honestly, I can I tell you I was hesitant to watch it. Why? 
Why do you think? Because it would be the it. It's done after that. Not so much that is well. I I think maybe that that could be part of it. I don't think I contextualized it in that way. Yeah, it was just um, I feel like it was just an emotional thing For sure. that I I didn't really want to get into because I'm just trying to stay numb. <laughs> oh God. Um, but honestly, it completely subverted any expectations that I possibly could have had or anyone could have had uh because you know on paper so so let me provide a little bit of context i don't know if we've talked about it on the show but um a few weeks ago it came out that netflix had acquired a norm mcdonald stand-up special and as we all know norm mcdonald passed away in september of last year but norm had kept his sickness um secret uh practically from the majority of people in his life um and certainly the public as when norm passed away in september he had been battling an illness for nearly a decade and no one knew and he certainly knew and he knew that he had he was on borrowed time so to prepare for that the night before he went into a procedure that he knew he had a chance of not getting out of he had been working on material, and he decided that he had to get that material out. He recorded his set and just kept it. And then, uh, you know, some way, one way or another, next thing we know, Netflix acquired it. And now we have Norm MacDonald's uh, Nothing Special, which is yeah, perfect. And uh, it's him basically talking in front of a computer. Like he's doing a podcast, but he's doing his stand-up with no audience. Oh, okay. And it's just him doing Norm jokes, and that's all you want. But the thing that touched me the most was just his energy. Was just, he seemed, he seemed warmer than normal. Um, He seemed full of life. He seemed energetic. He was on point. He was sharp, and it it was it was a delight to watch. Um, and even when he is performing for himself, he's still walking that tightrope. <laughs> and and then you know you kind of put it in perspective of you know that's all he knew how to do, and that you know he's he's writing jokes for him, and. You know, he's one of the bravest uh, stand-ups we've ever had. He didn't care about the audience perception of the joke. And, you know, many comedians and and, uh, people who think they know about comedy will tell you that that's not the purpose of comedy. The purpose of comedy is to make people laugh. I feel like Norm had a different point of view on that. Uh, Norm was a performer, but he was going to do things his way. And if something made him laugh and didn't make anybody else laugh, he went ahead with it, but was able to turn it around. Um, you know, just a completely unique performer. And it was just, um, it was a special thing that this was able to, to get out and uh, for us to see and basically, you know, say our goodbyes to Norm. Now, I will say that um, the runtime of the special is about an hour and a half. The special itself ends at about 58 minutes. 
as soon as Norm walks away from the computer, that's how the special went, he just gets up and leaves. The camera pans out from a movie screen, and we are in a small theater with David Letterman, Dave Chappelle, Molly Shannon, Conan O'Brien, Adam Sandler, and David Spade. And for a half hour, they just talk about their friend Norm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And basically, you know, first of all, comment on the special. Um, you know, Chappelle talks a lot and, you know, talks about how important Norm was to him and so on and so forth. I won't get into the uh, stories. I'd, I'd encourage everyone to, to go watch it. But um, I, I, I like how they, how, like, how they framed his special. Um, and, you know, that's not to say, and I don't feel like, uh, but I feel like it may be a talking point uh, for the highly cynical. And the only reason why I think it's a talking point for the highly cynical is because I'm currently highly cynical. So I think that that could exist, but I don't agree with it. This is how it is to live in my brain. That, and then I lost my thought. But no, um, that they needed to pad the special with something else. I, I didn't it, yeah. feel that way at all. I just feel like it was a sweet thing they did, that they just wanted to talk about their friend. And, and again, all, everyone was very close to Norm. They knew nothing. Well, and But well, the one thing I will say is that uh, Norm did a stand-up tour. Um, th- why does it smell like eggs? Are you having a stroke? It smells like methane or eggs. Y'all don't smell don't it? No. Okay, dude. <laughs> yeah, it smells. Are you okay? Yeah, something smells like methane or X. Right. You really don't smell We're that? We're in your head, right? I feel like I'm in your brain right now. I think I may be rotting from the inside the, the out. cynical spiraling thoughts. Do you honestly not smell No, that? I don't smell anything. Normally you have a candle burning. I'm so out I'm a, It's actually very scent neutral in here right now. Oh, believe me, it's not scent neutral. <laughs> this house stinks. Well, <laughs> at all times. Why do you think I have so many fucking candles? It's a fucking zoo. Because your mom raised you to be gay, dude. That's why <laughs> I'm telling you. It, 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 so it's interesting because you talked about two films now. One that had an intro and was framed by a host. And the other that had like a discussion about the product after. And I think that's that's pretty interesting because now there's problems with both. Like set, like we do intros for a film fest, and the idea is to set people up and kind of give them an idea of why we're showing it. With Joe Bob, uh, I'm sure it's a similar thing, but there's also an element of like fun and like just horror fandom. Um, now the post discussion, I would pretty much always veto, except for this case because I think the fun of watching a movie is thinking about it after and kind of like marinating over the story you saw. But with this, I could imagine watching it and then just feeling kind of like empty. Like, well now, now what? Yeah. And I think they, that's a good idea to have people sit down, especially that lineup. I would love to see like Adam Sandler and Chappelle and Conan sit there and kind of, do they do like a technical breakdown of like, a little bit joke writing yeah a little bit actually they they do because they 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 talk about you know um you know they break down the bits and like what do you they i think letterman posed the question of you know 
what kind of experience would we have with this had it been done in front of a live crowd? Damn. And things like that. So and they kind of, you know, explore that way. Then they, you know, they talk about him. And I think that we're kind of starving for that is because, you know, Norm is has been ubiquitous in American comedy culture. Yeah. Certainly. Everyone at least knows the name of Norm MacDonald. But no one knew Norm MacDonald because Norm did not put himself in his jokes. Um, everything was a precisely constructed ruse of silliness. Yeah. Uh, but with uh, crafted with incredible expertise and thoughtfulness. But we never got to know Norm and to hear people who got to know Norm, I think as people who loved him, um, loved his, you know, art, we, we want to hear that stuff. And uh, I, I know I certainly did. But to going back to what I was saying, when he did a stand-up tour with um, Spade and Sandler, is that Spade and Sandler said, you know, we didn't know he was sick. He didn't say mm-hmm. anything. Same thing. But in retrospect, now I was thinking about it, he was highly emotional on that tour. Oh, which is weird. He would yeah. tear up all the time. He would hug us and say how happy he was to be with us. Duh. And yeah. S- disgusting. <laughs> so were you emotionally watching it? Like were you- No, I honestly, no, I, I it was just I, I I don't know, I felt I felt uh nice. <laughs> oh, okay. It was just, it was a nice thing. And uh you know, to to basically hear from someone from the grave. Oh yeah. You know, is a special thing. So in the does he joke about like going to die? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no. Well, he he jokes about death. Like, but again, he doesn't go into any specifics about it. But you know, he he goes into death. Because I mean, I feel like uh, it's interesting. Because when I first heard that there was another special, I'm like, oh, what did they dig something up to try and capitalize on it, or did he actually craft a like? He did it. A post mortem. He did it because he oh, was working. Fucking cool. Because he was working on this material, and he knew that he was on borrowed time, like yeah. I said, and he wanted to get it out because he'd been working on it, and he had it. He recorded it on a fucking computer, and that was it. That's great. Um, I uh, I'll watch it with you guys. I'll watch okay. it again. Yeah, I'll, I'll totally. I want to watch that. And honestly, I'm mostly excited for the post now. I just want to see those dudes talk about it. Now I have to ask you a question. It's very serious, and yep. I want you to take it seriously. Those are some heavy hitter comedians in there mm-hmm. talking. Uh, Molly Shannon was she a diversity hire, or it, does she actually own? That position. Does so she belong there? Yeah. It took her a while to, to speak up because, you know. Because women know their role. Well, no, because <laughs> Chappelle was kind of running the floor for a little while. Um, but no, she, she said some very nice things and she was good. I mean, she was she was close with normal on, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live. Um, so. But, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, in do I think that they were trying to get some sort of female presence there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure, for sure. And she did a good job. She was, yeah. she was great. Who doesn't like Molly Shannon? I so like Molly. Is Shannon. she going to be on the Mount Rushmore of comedians? <laughs> where did the tables turn to where now you're the cynical one and I'm defending hey, this dumb bra? We, we, the we we have to balance out the scales here. You're getting a little emotional. I feel like you've got a gun. Under well, yeah, the I know desk. because see, this is fucking. What? Her fault. 
Because I had already taken this out of my brain. Yeah. Because I was going <laughs> to self-wallow in my own pity. I didn't even and know And then Oksana just politely comes along. Hey, didn't you watch <laughs> Norm MacDonald's stand-up special? And now bringing up this shit. It is true. It I does. was crying behind these sunglasses. I, get, I think it translates even in the podcast. Thank you. Also, I do feel like you waited for the perfect opportunity to mention this. Well, I wasn't even sure if you had watched it, but I remember it came out and you were the one who told us about it. I mean, before recording, we did spend about 10 minutes sitting here trying to jog Clark's memory of a movie he had watched. <laughs> and it ended up being two. Yeah. <laughs> Lord knows how many there actually are. I remembered it just then. That's why I said it. All right. All right. Can I jump in here and do a couple? We got a lot of movies to get through. Yes. All right. So after we recorded last week, it was Memorial Day. Uh, we had some friends over. We barbecued. And we threw on what... Uh, I assumed it was going to be a fun time Western about my new favorite mountain man, uh, John Johnston. But in the Jeremiah film, Johnson, his real name is John Johnston. See, this is the problem. Is it? It's propaganda. This fucking movie makes him a coward. It makes him some like teetotem pilgrim. It it's garbage. Uh, the real John Johnson is fucking Conan, who lived in uh, he lived next to Battle Mountain in Montana, and he fucked shit up. There's no way this movie's an hour and forty eight minutes. No, it felt like it was three hours. The movie's long. like nineteen days long. Now uh, I gave up. It had after. an intermission too. Yeah, it had a fucking and an overture, overture and an intermission. Yeah. Was this Sidney Pollock's first film? <laughs> can Can you go to his filmography? Now Sidney Pollock is a you know this is a this is a man I respect. And I are, like Sidney Pollock. There are very few of those men. Oh my god! No, no. not even close. No, it's these are all TV series. Ding dongs. Scroll up. Still no. Nope. The Slender Thread. Okay. Oh, so like six. Oh, he did the Yakuza. Oh my God! All right, I knew this monitor would be a bad idea. <laughs> you were the one who I suggested know. it. <laughs> yeah, ding dong. So, uh, good friend of the show, Chad Lott from Scary Thoughts Podcast. Uh, he on his Instagram shares books he's reading all the time, and he had shared uh, Crow Killer, the tale of Liver Eaton Johnston, which is uh, the book about John Johnston, which. That book talked in so that book had like five different forewords about trying to get to the historical five basis. different forewords. Yeah, there, no forewords. Like oh. forward and <laughs> god damn. <laughs> no, there was like an intro. There was a, a forward. There was there was like five different things before the story, and all of them were trying to like get down to the historical truth of like where all this came from. And uh, they mentioned this movie, Jeremiah Johnson. And I guess this movie kind of put uh, the legend of John Johnston on the map for people. So I knew I was like, oh, I got to watch this at some point because I love that book, Crow Killer. It's, it's not a very like as far as literature is concerned, it's not well written. But the stories they were telling, I was just so completely into. And um, what are you, the arbiter of all good literature now? No, I'm just saying, you know how like Lord of the Rings like people say that's not only a good book but it's well written and like valuable literature this is just like the pros are bad oh tolkien was a pedo okay (laughs) so we watched jeremiah johnson and um hey it's a beautifully shot film 
Uh, yeah, that's actually, always a good start. Well, it, it, you know, it looks really good. Well, it does, and it does. You know, I, if I wasn't so wrapped up in like the book Crow Killer, and if I didn't learn to love this character that is not portrayed in this movie. I did that annoying thing that people do when they read books and they're like, oh, they changed all this. I, 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 I'm completely admitting it. I could not separate it from the book and I didn't like all the things they changed. All right. Well, all right. Let's let's explore that. Before we get into that, Oksana, here's what I want. I want to know what the budget of this film is. I want to know how much this film made. <laughs> Anything else? Because... This was, uh, and I, I want to know critically what people think of this thing. Okay, so. Because this was a, uh, a clear, all right, so the budget in 1972 was $3.1 million. Now, can you please look up with um, what that would be in money in today's terms? Oh, my God. You're looking for inflation? Yeah. All right, you're you're really putting Oksana to the the test right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the thing about this film is it looks beautiful, and it's very long, and it's a western, right? Now on on paper, I feel like I should love this movie, yeah, because it's a pretty avant garde western. The pacing is really weird. It's kind of what's well, a seventies film. Yeah, but it, it, that say, that seemed on par even for big movies in the 1970s. Well, I mean, as I am an expert, yeah, I, go, I in the know films of 1970. You're also an expert on uh, deconstructing films you've seen half of, as I believe you left before the intermission. No, I left. I left when they were going to walk through a, a sacred graveyard. <laughs> You again, and you know, it's an ongoing theme here. Whenever Clark leaves during a movie, it instantly gets better or something interesting happens. And and let me t- let me be very clear. That is a sacrifice yeah. that I do for you. Uh-huh. Have I ever gotten a thank you? No, well, th- hey, thank you. Because <laughs> it, it got good. We we instantly got some fight choreography, which had been completely void of the movie. Until that moment. And it was pretty good. But I mean, man, it's a weird fucking Western. And they just don't portray him well. I really hate the way that they portrayed the swan, which is the flathead Indian that he ended up like uh, marrying. Because, you know, everybody said that he treated her really weirdly, which was with respect. He learned her language. He taught her how to shoot a gun. Like there was a bunch of I'm throwing this down the hall. Okay. That was a terrible throw. Clark, my hand was here. You hit Clark's me in my tip. playing with the fucking ball while I'm over here spilling <laughs> my heart about Jeremiah Johnson. Would you rather me play with the ball or smoke that cigarette so in here? So where, uh, what was the inflation? Uh, $22 million. What the fuck? Yeah, and I mean, you know, they're going all over the place. There's a lot of sets. The costumes were great. Which in that time was still a lot of money. Yeah, and I, man. So I this was know. a big Hollywood thing. That's why you got... Robert Redford, yeah, as the star here. Now, did you do you take umbrage with Mr. Redford? No, I don't like him. I don't like him in the role. So you do take umbrage. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I take umbrage. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you like him? Uh, Because I feel like he's the he's what Arnold was to being casted as Conan, where it's like it's cool but it's wrong. Do you think Jeremiah Johnson is an anti-hero? Uh. 
I think he's a no in the classic literary sense. Yeah, probably because he was living a life that is not the American dream. Mm-hmm. But he also it also was like he traveled all over the place. He did everything for but himself. But they cast Robert Redford. Everybody likes Robert Redford. Yeah, but the thing is that uh, people didn't like John Johnston. He was like a monster man who lived in the hills. That when he came into town, people shuttered their windows. Like he was a force to be reckoned with. Like people, like as America became more um, just settled, people kind of got familiar, and he became a sheriff like later on in life. But like he was not a dude that people wanted to hang out with. Also, he didn't really speak, which I think they gave that. Uh, that like quirk to the kid that shows up in this movie, which is not in like, at least from that book, there is no little fucking boy that he like ends up raising. It was completely stupid. And it was, I like, didn't mind that storyline. And I understand it added, uh, you know, well, some okay. Drama. So, um, a spoiler alert for the seventies film, uh, the Swan, which is like his wife and that little boy get murdered by Indians. And this is what puts him on the path to revenge. If you're watching the movie, that's about an hour in it's after the fucking intermission. But what happened in real life, at least from the, the stories that have been carried on was that he was with the, the Swan and went, uh, he went off for the winter to go trap. And when he came back, he was away from his He house. went to go deal drugs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, he knew from a, a far off distance that something was wrong. He snuck into his own house, uh, saw that he had been completely looted for, of everything, and was greeted by the bones of the swan as they had been picked clean by bol- vultures and were laying on the floor. He also noticed that there were two skulls there as she was carrying his child. And uh, then he went on what he called the trail and uh, just was murdering the Crow Indians. Well, you know, I don't think the great Sidney Pollock could be able to portray that in a film in 1970. No, instead they march through the Indian burial ground, which is sacred, right? And there are fucking tableaus of skeletons on what look like wigger mans. Like they're, they're in the ground. There's spears sticking out. You commit to controversy. I'm com- <laughs> Wigger is not controversial. Oh, it's controversial. No, you flip you flip that W over and chop a line off, and then we get into no man's land. I already but, cut that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I spent more time than I wanted to on this. Um, not a bad film. Avant-garde Western. If you're a fan of the genre or if you just like interesting film, I think, honestly, you should probably check it out. But if you're a fan of like the Robert E. Howard American legend of John Johnston... Stay the fuck away from this movie. So, so, so the real John Johnston. Yeah, he, this is a formidable presence. Yeah, he's yeah? he's like a real life. Yeah, like an intimidating figure. Killed hundreds of people. Became known as the. In no, eater. in and and this is look. I'm coming from a point of view. I like Robert Redford. Yeah, he's a movie star. He works on camera. Do I buy him being? A vengeful, murderous, <laughs> cool mountain man? No, I do not. No, it doesn't work. No, I do not. Not with that beautiful strawberry blonde hair. Like, here's the thing. Um, John Johnston got drafted in the Civil War, and he fought for the North, and he made fun of the government-issued weaponry because he had a better... He had a Hawkins repeater, and he was like, I should just use my rifle, and they're like, no, you can't. You have to use the government stuff. Would this movie be better? Oh, my God. 
if Robert Redford, you take Robert Redford, you sub him out, you bring in a Charles Bronson. Oh, yeah. I think so. You need kind of... Clint Eastwood. You need a, like, TNT... No, not Clint Eastwood. He's got too much of the skinny cowboy thing. John Johnston was six foot... uh, Oh, God, what'd they say? Six foot four, weighed 260 pounds, and it was lean. So he was like a ripped dude for, like, 1850. Yeah. And people were just like, don't fuck with him. Like... You know, you knew better. But all the mountain men were like this. And in this movie, they only have a couple other mountain men. They have Bear Claw, who uh, was a great character. But they're all the same. Like, they're fucking, they're heroes. They, you know, they get into a fight with the tribe of Indians, and they kill, you know, dozens of them. And usually get away unscathed. Like, I don't know. It's such an interesting, like, true life kind of fantasy thing. And, oh, God, Del Gue being buried in the sand. I don't know what that was, but they made all the mountain men seem kind of like dopey Three Stooges kind of guys. Yeah, first of all, yeah, in the sand. I don't know where we are anymore, but that was weird. That was really weird. That seemed like Jordorowski. It did. It it seemed very Jordorowski. Yeah. Yeah. And what are we doing? So, yeah, Jeremiah Johnson. um, Man, I again, I feel like I should like it, but I don't. Um, I got one more to squeeze in in this part, and I actually don't have the note. What was the other movie? Oh, so after this, we are hanging out, drinking, barbecuing. Uh, I decided I'll just work in another movie because I was looking around the room, and I'm like, hey, I actually have a group of people who like Iron Maiden in here, which is actually very rare for me. Now, Clark, you do like Iron Maiden. We saw the show together. Thank we you. talked about it in the fucking uh, Spine of Night interview. I have a tattoo. You have a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got a great barbecue movie. It's called Iron Maiden Raising Hell. Have I ever told you about this, Clark? So many times. Okay. I, I, I want to show this in the theater. If it, if it had better audio, like if somebody remastered this thing, I would book it for myself. I'd rent out the fucking Roxy and be there alone. Now, a little bit of context for this. Bruce Dickinson, and, and I'm going to be in the weeds here. I apologize. Uh, this is for Iron Maiden fans. Um, the lead singer, who is, you know, he's the one that made the band. The Number of the Beast was their, the album that first featured him, and it shot them into stardom. And Bruce Dickinson decided in the 90s that he was going to leave. He's like, I'm done. My time here is, is finished. I'm going to go fly planes. I'm going to go fly planes and make a children's clothing line. And marry a yoga instructor. And take up fencing. And those are all true. And they're like, you know how we're going to go out? We're going to do a pay-per-view event. Because in the mid-90s, this was what you did. Yeah. Pre-internet. So they did a pay-per-view event that would feature, you know, the, the farewell. So, you know... What do you do when you have a farewell show in a, in a pay-per-view environment? Well, you hire Simon Drake. Now, he's a magician. <laughs> he's a comedy magician. He's a metal musician. Magician. He's all of the above. He's he is bizarre. Do you have have you ever known Simon Drake before? Metal musician. Um, no. <laughs> he's, I don't know where he came from, but he comes out in a leather jacket. He looks like he's like a mega fan. Let like, me ask you this. Do you think Chris Angel was inspired by this clown? I, I would totally go to a Simon Drake show because he's a dork, but he's like, I don't know. There's something warm. Is about he still him. around? I doubt it. He's probably died on fentanyl or something. I'm look it up. I bet he's playing at the independent next month. Dude, let's go. But 
Chris Angel, I don't know, man. I feel like he's kind of like Zach Baggins. Where if you're like, if you had any kind of like self-awareness or you came to him and you're like, oh, dude, that episode was funny. I feel like they'd get mad at you and stop talking. Like, I feel like Zach Baggins is not a fun dude to hang out with. He's from, you know, Ghost Adventures. I know who okay. Zach Baggins is. Um, you talk about him every other show. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like Chris Angel's the same thing. Anyway, this this final, this farewell to Bruce Dickinson. Great lineup. I love the, the track list. And what, what are we doing? We're doing greatest hits? Uh, Yeah, but so, I mean, when you're Iron Maiden and you have your first five albums are like fucking classic. Like you could play them all the way through. And then you make 15 more albums that are all still pretty good. Well, like, what the fuck do you do? It's so crazy. Like, there's such... You could craft a million different shows. Thankfully, this was in the 90s. And um, a lot of the albums people don't like were the ones that were made after Bruce did leave the band. Uh, So there's none of that. I don't know. It's a, it's fantastic. Um, you could probably find the track list on there if you want. But we got all the hits. You know, Hollowed Be Thy Name, uh, The Trooper, Aces High, Fear Run of the Dark. Run to the Hills. Yeah, Run to the Hills. And oddly, if you read Crow Killer, you start to wonder at, like how much damage that fucking, um, what do they call it? The Mystical Indian? No, there was like that book that came out that changed all of America's perspective. The on Indian India. and the Cupboard. The Indian and the Cupboard, yes. No, uh... Because run, I don't know why metal bands always have a fucking pro Native American song. It's so weird. Like they don't need your help. They were fucking brutal. The Cheyenne were fucking brutal. And you know that's all in the book. It's great. Crow Killer. You should read it. But yeah, so the set is interrupted by Simon Drake, who does magic tricks that are all metal. I'm air quoting. They're metal themed. So like one, he uh, he's on a throne and he's got an apple. He takes a bite of the apple, throws it in the air. Pulls out a knife, catches it with the blade. So then, you know, he's uh, he's letting the audience know this is a real blade. And the trick is he shoves it through his forearm and slides it up and down. That's that's his magic trick. He stabs himself on stage. Now, this is not an opening act. He sprinkled in the he set? He sprinkled in. That's a terrible he breaks decision. It up. There's a moment where he cuts off one of the guitarist's hands, and then he plays a solo with the hands he uh takes a uh, audience member out of the audience and puts them in an actual iron maiden he dude he stretches a guy's arm and legs and then rearranges his body it's fucking comedy gold and you would appreciate it it was fantastic and i feel bad because that night i'm like dude it's like an hour long we could jump right back in because um uh, our homie sean had also brought over severed ways which is uh one of the like very gloomy black metal Viking movies where they're just walking around the woods. That DVD is actually worth some money. Uh, and he, we were going to watch that. And I was like, oh, dude, this is an hour. We'll jump. This will be a perfect intro to that film. Dude, I was pretty drunk by that point. And after everybody had left, I was like, that wasn't an hour. I looked. It's almost two, right? It's two hours. It's two hours long. Yeah. So I apologized to everybody at the barbecue. But again, you know, that's on them. Because anybody who has hung around with you for an extended period of time should know to not trust anything you say in terms of time length. <laughs> Hello, are you going to stick up for me? Oh, there's a dragonfly at our window. How can she? She's got no defense. Oksana, fucking stick up for me. <laughs> I'm even worse with time. I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Look, here's the thing. I hate being right all the time. <laughs> it's exhausting. 
You're alt-right all the time. I want to be wrong. <laughs> oh, that's Randy, again. So, again, if you're an Iron Maiden fan, Raising Hell is fucking fun, but don't watch it alone. I mean, what I used to do, this was a utility video for me. I would start my pregame of concerts by throwing this on and uh, getting jacked up, getting fucking revved for a show. Um, fantastic. Yeah, okay, I'm done. By the way, you, you have totally showed me this. We didn't watch it. You have showed me clips. Okay. No, we no, we haven't. 100%. We have not shown 100%. clips. 100%. I wouldn't show clips. You show clips. I, no, that's a you thing. You show clips. You would ruin the fucking movie by, like, parsing it out. Oh. It's an the, experience. By uh, imposing some artistic criticism? Yeah, no. Okay? No. You got to watch the whole thing through. So you need two hours if you're going to watch this. No, it's not going to happen. All right, you want me to unless, keep going? Unless uh, Joe Bob Briggs can... Uh, do as a part of his series. So now, um, you did watch another movie, mm-hmm. and I did too. But I kind of want to take the lead on this, which was an issue when you had only had one movie to talk about. I will allow you to be lead detective. All right. So, uh, dash cam dropped, which is from the creators of Host, and uh, Jed Shepper, who who is a uh, producer on the film, he showed up at uh, what the hell do we call this last one? Of five virtual. Of five virtual. And he hung out in the chat the whole time. And, you know, we we were already excited, but we we're like, dude, Jed's so tight. But then you get in that weird zone where you're like, I hope the movie's good. Because I'd, I'd hate to be in a position where I'm like, oh, I didn't really like it. So, you know, it's on our radar and it dropped. And we're like, holy shit, we, get a, we should go watch this. And then Oksana looked it up and it was showing out here in the Bay Area. One theater... Two screenings on a Friday. At the marina. At the marina. So instantly I'm like, all right, how do we do this? Because I'm going to have to get off work. (laughs) Drop somebody off. Marina. Pick people up and then get down there and find parking. Well, yada, yada, yada. We did it. We figured it out. We were only running 10 minutes late at the time. And it was like, what are we going to do? And I mean, I even had the discussion of maybe we just take pictures outside and pretend we went, and then we just post it and go home and watch it. Did y'all miss the beginning of this movie? So we were we were deep into the ten minute territory. We get in there. It, it was weird. It was kind of packed in there. I'm like, well, they only got two screens. Of course, they're showing Top Gun in the other one. Yeah. So we're like, okay. We're like, hopefully, there's a lot of people in dash cam too. So we get up there. We get beer. We get popcorn. We go in the theater, and we're like, well, what the fuck happened? The lights were off, and the screen was not on. And there was nobody in the theater. And we're like, uh, okay. Like, maybe nobody was here, so they didn't play the movie? So I'm like, all right, well, I'll go back down. So I waited in a line, and I told the fine lady working there. I was like, hey, uh, there's nothing playing in theater, too. I was like, we're here for dash cam. And she immediately took a step back and started yelling at somebody in there. I went, okay. So I just walked upstairs, sat in the room. Uh, where Oksana Terrell and uh, his boyfriend Andy were waiting. And uh, they're like, so what's up? I'm like, I told them. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. So we sat there. And about like five minutes later, five, ten minutes later, we're just in the dark. A dude comes in and says, hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, We're going to get this on right away. Like just and I was like, hey, the fact that you came in and acknowledged us, we're good. Like, honestly, we were going to be hella late for this movie. This worked out. See, that's the, you give up your leverage too soon. You no, could have got I, some passes. No, fuck that. You could have got some popcorn. So he, he ran back there, and we're waiting again. Five, ten minutes. I think uh, 
It was around 8.20. The movie was supposed to be started at 8. Well, the, there were 10 minutes of trailers because I asked when okay. we first got there. And she was like, oh, you're right on time. It's 10 minutes. Oh, okay. So did they cut that when the movie? Well, anyway, no, they showed them. So the lights were on. We're sitting there. The screen comes on. We're like, oh, okay, cool. Lights come down. And it's mega widescreen, all green. And it's a car commercial. <laughs> We're like, what the fuck is this? It looked blown out. It almost looked like you had a, a flash drive with a video file and it was the wrong file and you couldn't play it properly. So we're like, uh, Terrell started panicking. Also, if you haven't watched his Blu-ray Tuesday, we uh, host it on our The Overlook Theater channel on YouTube. Watch it. Uh, they're getting spicy. Anyway, he was just like, what the fuck? We can't watch a movie like this. this is so lights come back on, turns off, guy comes in. Hey, I'm going to try it again. You saw how it looked. I don't know if it's going to work. So I'm like, did anybody show up for the first screening or like... So we're like, okay. Well, I was like, fuck it. We're hanging out. It's Friday night. We're the only ones in this theater. Again, lights come down. Screen opens up. Green. And we're like, holy shit. We're not going to get to watch this movie. But this time it doesn't turn off. It just plays through the whole commercial. Goes into another commercial. Green. Stretched out. Weird looking. And then halfway through it, it it's corrected. And we're like, oh, it worked. <laughs> So not only did we arrive late, but we also arrived early somehow as the movie started a half hour late. Mm. Well, that's normal time in uh, Cinemark universe. Oh, dude, that's actually early. There's normally 45 fucking minutes of trailers. That's 30. Again, your concept of time <laughs> is off. Now, I, I, uh, I was a little dismayed to hear that you were lukewarm about the film. As uh, we haven't really talked about it at all, but you were not very impressed. I'm taking it. No. Um, again, you know, just like in your preamble of this conversation, there are things outside of our control, <laughs> and sometimes things outside of our control um, can alter our viewing experience. Uh, whether <laughs> these be uh, physical manifestations. Um, emotional manifestations. Um, again, there are many different options that um, can impede one's experience. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, I was impeded with said um, outside criteria, yeah. outside of my control. Yeah, I get it. Which altered my viewing experience now i will not go into what happened because it doesn't matter <laughs> um but yeah i was not fully there but here's what i will say is that choices were made certainly as far as the film goes it's everything that i want out of this thing the great scares um We'll, we'll get into the laughs, but there there were good laughs there. Um, no, it's 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 well done. It's everything that that I would want out of this, um, and I enjoyed. Again, I didn't get the full experience that I needed to out of this thing because of things outside of my control. And what I will say <laughs> is that. Our protagonist slash antagonist mm -hmm. 
um, that was a bold choice, and it took me a while to get used to it. And then not only did I get used to it, then I really started to overthink what we're trying to do here. Um, Because they're the ones that started to impose, you know, politics into this narrative and with this character. Um, and And then we go from America to England... And it is continued to be per- uh, perpetuated, and certainly COVID is a part of the narrative here. Um, and I just didn't know what we were doing or why we were doing it. But by the end of the film, I applauded what they did because I was still pretty confused, but I kind of enjoyed it, but I was also terribly annoyed by her, but I couldn't figure out if that was by design or i don't I, I was i was tormented in that regard i'll say that and i think maybe i was tormented because of all these exterior um circumstances so yeah i had a journey with this thing okay <laughs> is your cryptic review done so Dashcam is about two friends who embark on a horror field road trip and live stream the most terrifying night of their lives i actually don't even I don't like that synopsis on IMDb, but... Oh, no, it's not good. Yeah, it's not a good one. And let me just tell you right now, I fucking love this movie. I absolutely loved it. And um, there there are a ton of different reasons. I actually think they nailed everything you need in an in-world camera movie. And they did things that I thought were impossible in this film, like having a live stream chat not feel completely authored by one person or uh, redundant and useless. They actually used it to help forward the narrative at times. Now, the the girl you're talking about, Annie Hardy, and the politics, uh, I guess you might have been suggesting when she took out her Make America Great Again hat. And uh, yeah, she is an anti-vax Trump supporter. And she's very vocal about it. And it... You know, it read to me like this is what the new punk is. Like that is yeah. punk. Yeah. No, I She I, was fucking shit up. Yeah. And like that is not um her life is not immune to that. She's got a weird ramshackle of a life. And the whole frame of the movie is a live stream. And we go in her like we we catch her in a live stream, which is what, like what is it, music box, where she does freestyle raps based on audience suggestions in her car. Yeah. While doing what door no, she just drives around. Right? She wasn't like door dashing or no. anything. She's so she around. like now let me tell you, I had such a good experience with this in the theater. And um much like you had a, a hindrance in your experience, yeah. I think I had the, the world was working with me in this one. We were alone in there. We were able to like laugh and talk and cheer and, you know, guilt free because, again, they were watching Top Gun next door. They couldn't fucking hear us. And man, I fucking enjoyed it. And it almost felt like they had like an actual team of writers fueling that chat. I mean, honestly, it felt like we were in there. They were saying shit like cuck a doodle do. Like, yes, all the dumb kind of jokes that people make, just not in a public setting because they don't want to be canceled or judged to death by the fucking, you know, fringes of political societies, which it's so I'm so tired and sick of that shit that honestly, this movie felt refreshing 
it felt completely well-crafted, a lot like Host did, where Host feels like an indie film that's just really polished. This movie, dude, it's a fucking roller coaster. And uh, the locations are incredible. The special effects are incredible. And Annie Hardy has a... She's a fucking anti-hero. She's, um, she's almost like pointedly uh, destructive and um, abrasive. Yet she's got a charm to her where I, my God, I was rooting for her in this movie. And it's... Dude, <laughs> I mean, there's a moment in this film where she has broken into her friend's house and uh, starts tagging along with him as he does DoorDash. And they show up at a restaurant and they get into she gets into um, an argument with the guy at the restaurant because she's not wearing a mask. Yeah. And she starts talking shit to him about it. And it's like it's a lot like with um, Scary at 61st, yeah. where it's just there are things because politics are they run through everything now. And the film industry is, you know, clearly it's a lot of um, people on the left that, you know, in arts, it's a very uh, progressive field. So you really don't get that voice ever. And it felt completely unique in that way. Like, I've never heard anybody like she goes on a rant about how people are being brainwashed by CNN. It's like I've never heard anybody say that in a movie that isn't a like straw man argument, you know, like some caricature of a guy with a Confederate tattoo and a cowboy hat. Uh I don't know. I that stuff aside, the fucking movie just moves. I I had no concept of time in this film. <laughs> like it could have been two hours long or it could have been forty minutes. I was just completely like enthralled with it. Um again, it dude, it was fantastic. And I do wanna point out that the live stream elements so every now and then we would lose connection to the internet. Which was interesting because the problem with having a live chat is that it can be distracting. And I mean, I know as like a person who clearly I have ADD, I can tend to shift my focus away from the movie and just be reading the comments. Now, in this film, the comments were pretty worthwhile and they were very they felt very realistic. But when it would drop uh, Internet connection, that was gone. And it felt like they're actually using it to help craft the pacing of the story. I agree. Now, also, one thing that I've never seen fucking done in one of these goddamn live stream movies is the view count felt real. I think on a regular day for her, she had about 50 people in there. And it would ebb and flow. And normally in every goddamn horror movie we watch, it's like we start and then something crazy will happen. And we're up into like hundreds of thousands of people. Like everyone in America is watching this girl die now. And it's like that is not the way the Internet works. This film, although it is incredibly self-aware, managed to keep those details very real until they didn't care anymore. And there are moments where they break their own kind of like verisimilitude. But it all felt... Uh, like by design and i believe uh oksana saw on like well like on instagram stories or something rob savage the director uh brothers with rob zombie he had um stated that one of the influences one of his major influences was sam raimi and when you think about that you can feel it through the whole film it's kind of there are, there are no real rules it's chaos also i love like candid raw film and there's stuff in this movie that you just know is not scripted like i'm honestly very curious how much of annie's lines were scripted 
I'm, I'm guessing because we've talked to so many people that it's just an outline they were working with. But there are some like complicated gags in this movie. Like at one point she goes into a mirror maze at a carnival. And, you know, the thing about a mirror maze is there's mirrors everywhere. And crafting something like that just seems like it would take a lot of planning. And it felt completely natural. I don't know. I, I was blown away by this film. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I hope you all enjoyed it out there because you're probably going to hear me fucking talking about it for a while. <laughs> um, Oksana, did you want to add anything to it? I think it's playing for the next week or so at the... Oh, maybe not. It had other showtimes at the Marina Theater if you're in like the Bay Area. Um but it doesn't look... I don't know. I'm not seeing any when you pulled it up right now. Yeah, I looked them up on Friday, and there were other days, but they're gone now. So, <laughs> so Rosalie, you, you bring up good points here. Valid, salient points. I would like for you to tell me why do you think that this is getting panned critically? Oh, well, clearly the politics. Like, jump on Letterboxd and look at this movie. It's the same thing with Scary well, well, 60 well, First. Well, 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 well. See, the thing is, I don't even... They're not trying to... There's no political statement being made here. No. I want that to be clear. Yeah. They're not making a political that, statement. Yeah, that is important. They're just bringing it into the story. Yeah. And they're bringing in a um, marginalized group, however you want to place it so weird right it is though especially in film um that so i do you think just because of that i'm here's the thing she is so incredibly annoying and unlikable (laughs) see i love her i love her to death i want to be clear it's it's such an inch. I'm just torn. Yeah. Because I don't know. Because you bring up good points, and these are all things that. Because I'm just kind of been in the middle, but it just I I I don't know because I hated her so much. I appreciate what she brought to the table, but we're breaking formulas here. No. And I don't know how I feel. Let, uh, think of it in this context. Like think of the VHS franchise. That's a film that had protagonists that were all pretty much misogynist, vile dudes. And I think in found footage, that's kind of part of it. Like when when you're really um, embracing the fantasy of like, I found uh, this tape and I'm going to watch it. If it's going to be good, it's going to be filmed by somebody who's not good. Like it's going to be a snuff film. It's going to be uh, somebody breaking into a house. It's going to be they're filming shit that are, you know the stories we shouldn't be telling. So I thought it was interesting to have kind of like a troll as our protagonist because that's what she is. Yeah. She's a she's a punk rock. So like, look at her. She's got her... We're looking at uh, photography stills on the International Movie Database and our protagonist is holding her iPhone. She's got a cross yeah. as a pop socket. Well, that's that's one of the things is in her bedroom. Now, there's... Crosses all everywhere, over the which place. Which is a super interesting character-like trait. As soon as I saw that... Well, here's the thing. I said, Where, what are we doing? So she's, Where are we going? She's riffing this whole movie. And she's just like on one. She's fucking with people constantly. She's rude, abrasive. And then there's things that she doesn't talk about. And it's like, oh, was, is that like, like, are the crosses in her room a real thing? Like, is yeah. she? And then, you know, later on, we get a shot of her sock. And there's like a cross on or her shoes. 
And it's like, oh, is she really religious? Because that's not a thing she's making fun of at all. And then, you, like you mentioned, that pop socket looks like it's kind of somebody making fun of Christianity. Yeah. But again, I don't know. It felt like such a interesting character. And again, found footage. She's doing shit that none of us would do. Like, I would never do a Silver Lake hello, which yeah. is you spit in your hand and slap somebody while they're asleep. I, know. I mean, my God. Uh, it. We had no one to root for in this movie. I don't... Uh, see, I disagree, because I fucking was immediately in love with her. In fact, me and Oksana broke up after the movie. I was like, there's only one love in my life now. It's yeah. Annie He's, Hardy. He started DMing her. <laughs> I was just all heart emojis. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, if you move back to America, uh, you want to be on a podcast? You could, you could be the third chair. Dude, I was enamored. I love this film. I loved... Um, well, here's another thing. So she's like, you know, the stereotype of like a white racist, right? Because she's, uh, I don't know. She never comes out and says she's a Republican, but she does have a white hoodie that says uh, liberals with it crossed out like a Ghostbusters symbol. And um, she, uh, but her friend is like an Indian dude. I love how you States. refer that as a Ghostbusters Ghostbuster symbol. I'm trying to paint a picture as this is a radio show. And, you know, it's just like she's, I don't know. I, there's there's a lot of nuance in there in what is a short fucking roller coaster of a movie. And you're totally right. The jump scares fucking work. I was in the theater laughing like like, you know, I was, I'd be like slapping Terrell's leg going like, holy shit. And then there'd be a jump scare and I would like emote out loud and be like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I don't know, man. I'm, I was really taken by this film. And again, I think it's important that we have a antihero protagonist who is I mean, even with her own live stream she's mean to them too yeah like she's just mean to everybody and it's one of those things where you feel like she hasn't worked out some shit so she's just like thrashing she's like ruining her friend's relationship and also he here's the other thing i i started to think about my own life after oh no. watching this <laughs> and the amount of time she talked about dicks Made oh. me think I talk about it too much, and I don't talk about it nearly as much as she Dude, has. She was dropping a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of it. It's like I, it's a, it's. Can we go somewhere else? She was uh, again. I think a lot of this movie was like very carefully edited. Again, the auteur editor thing with found footage, and I don't know, man. I really, I really love uh, this no, movie. No, and I, I, I don't disagree with you. There's a lot here. Yeah, and again. We're not spoiling this. Like, no, there is some shit. We take a turn and man, it's incredible. But also just there's there's stuff in found footage that you can't script like her driving around on the road. Part of me, I was thinking, how is she freestyling and driving? And it's not like they're in a studio lot. I'm like, this is kind of making me like a little nervous because I couldn't do that. And I would be scared to you know, run somebody over. Like, there's, she's filming naked guys on bikes. Like, that's not scripted. What do you think of Stretch? I liked him. Stretch's girlfriend. I can't remember Stretch. You can't remember Stretch. Her friend. Who she goes and sees. Who's in, that was his name. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, wait, nickname. who's Stretch? Yeah. No, I liked him. I, again, I thought he was the perfect counterpart to her. Yeah. Like, he's a, he's got a life... He uh, was in a band with her that he's fond of, but like he's clearly like moved on, where she is exactly how she used to be, mm-hmm. and um, which is why they're broke up. Well, and the thing is, 
it's like it, it man i don't know it's such a good way to tell that story because part of him is like oh man i i love you but also you're bad for me yeah and you're fucking shit up and i don't dude i loved it dude i can't believe i blanked i was like what the fuck is stretch yeah stretched eh? yeah i don't know i um i blame it on the hangover no he was great also i loved it. he's got a look man like I, I like his face. He had like long hair and the beard. I was, he should have been Jeremiah Johnson. He was, he was uh, he played in Aladdin the remake. Oh really? Okay. I never saw it. He was great. I mean, I, I like this movie through and through. I thought all the casting and everything was great. Man, it's a fucking tour de force of a found footage film. It's insane. Yeah, it's good. I know. <laughs> As you fall asleep, I'm sorry. I can only gush for this movie. I know. Um, and then, uh, speaking of gushing for a movie, uh, the king of body horror returns, oh uh, my David Cronenberg. We're not done. We're not done, dude. Oh my God. Now, uh, how long have we gone? Uh, I don't know. I think we're on hour three right now, but crimes of the future from 1970. Oh wait, no, no. This one's from t- 2022 and actually has no relation to, uh, Mr. Cronenberg's first film or, or does it? Did we ever figure that out? Is there? It's not a sequel. It's not a prequel. Henry publicly it's not a stated that it's not. It's got nothing to do with one another. Yeah. So why did he name this movie the exact well, same title? Well, you answer your own question because you proposed a theory to me. I did, and I was like, "What if he's bookending his career? Like, what if this is it?" Now, would you be fine with that? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because the last movies he made were not great. And uh, and you're you're cheating on him with well, his son, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. He's he's got all the gusto of his dad, but he's also got the youth, and he's got fresh ideas. And I think, um, I should say up top, we did go see this also in a theater, very late at night. Nine fifty-five was the start time. Ridiculous. Um, it was uh born out of a miscommunication. Again, we were talking um with Terrell. We were scheduling it because. Uh, uh, so what we thought is that we were going to shoot it after we shot Blu-ray Tuesday next week, but none of us realized that it came out this week, except for Terrell, who was confused why we wanted to watch it so late. So we figured this out, committed to the fucking late time, and uh, we ended up, again, alone in the theater. Uh, I think there were seven of us. We were rolling deep, and I think I'm the only God, one who walked... Don't ever say that ever again. <laughs> and I think I am the only one that walked out of that theater saying... I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. I think um, f- at least five of the people said absolutely hated this movie. And there were two like meh people. I, I don't think that math checks out. Don't hold me to that. But that's how it felt. Oksana, where, where did you fall on that criteria? Uh, that I was really enjoying it, but I need to rewatch it because I missed a sizable chunk of the middle to end because I fell asleep. Uh, there, we <laughs> there we go. She was not the only one. Again, the movie started at 10.30 and runs a good two hours. See, at least I'm not adamantly hating it or whatever and having missed a chunk of it like other people. Oh. There, with us. <laughs> there we go. Now, um, I, I won't spend too much time on here. If if you, like me, enjoyed this film, please feel free to DM me. Again, it, Instagram, Lord Battle. I'll talk about this all day. Uh, there are some things that I do want to pitch to Clark that I think you would like. Um... One, as Oksana goes through IMDb, you might notice that all of the buildings in this movie, they are dilapidated. They are unkempt. They are, in fact, the buildings might even be rotting. And yet all of the characters in this movie, 
beautiful people, very clean, beautiful people, very elegant, and uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff to chew on mentally. Now, they raise some interesting questions about art, as the body horror element of this movie is that uh, Viggo Mortensen, who plays a, a dude named Saul, better call Saul Tensor, love it. Uh, he's got a weird condition where he is growing organs. Ooh. And they're weird organs that humans don't normally have. So, you know, what do you do when you're growing weird organs? Well, I- internal? Internal, internal organs. And uh, what do you do when you get weird organs? Uh, Sell them. You're probably thinking, tattoo them. Well, yeah, he does. He has uh, <laughs> a machine that will tattoo his organs while they're still in his body. Also, oh. you make performance art out of it. Yeah. As you do surgeries for groups of people. Now... I I really fucking lo- the thing I liked about this movie was it got me thinking about tormented artists and much like uh, Annie Hardy who you know creates a great film right she has a stunning presence but at the the heart of that character she's tormented same thing here with Vigo now he's surrounded with people who like just love his work and he's also uh, he's got a partner I'm not I'm not gonna get too deep into this but it's a uh, performance art that people just like gush about and they talk about it's very uh akin to like an art gallery like it's a lot of people kind of like high-minded except the art gallery is like falling apart and they're all loving this dude without ever understanding him and i think his character is you know he's got a health condition and he does it to stay alive yet people think of him as like an artistic genius and it kind of raised this uh theme of the people around art, kind of like like us with this podcast, like we're not creating movies, but we're talking about them. And I end up like admiring a lot of these films. And I'm it's almost like a parasitic relationship where I sit there and I parse all this shit. But I don't actually know the people who work on it. And I don't know. Like, uh, let's talk. What's well, who's a pedophile like Roman Polanski? <laughs> like that dude's had a hell of a life uh, having actually been shot at by Nazis, you know, we um yeah, and Tacopi has sex with a child Continue. exactly, and they're complicated, and you know we're we're out here and we're film fans and we fucking judge the hell out of these people, or admire them and want to get inside their brain for the work, and this film it really made me feel like there's an artist here who's just like you don't want this like and I don't want it, but we're making lemonade out of lemons so. What do you? What are we gonna do? And there are imitators. There are people. There's. I wrote down that. Um, at one point, I actually thought Cronenberg uh, was taking a shot at American Mary, because American Mary was the first kind of horror film that I saw kind of deal with body modifications, and so Vigo's doing a bunch of internal shit. Like this is like Cronenberg had a cool idea here, and uh, one of his fans, uh, actually one of his um cohorts in the whole performance art gets uh what are they called they're like dermal implants subdermal subdermal implant have you ever seen that clark where people get shit put under their skin to like raise it up yeah 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 she does that i did that one summer oh my god it's a tramp stamp hey uh and i put it he he almost is like laughing like oh that's cute you know what i mean like this is like this is like the hot topic replication of the art i'm doing and it, I don't know, it felt like it kind of stung for that kind of like body modification crowd. But whatever. Um, 
Is there anything else I really want to talk about? There is a child autopsy in this movie. Yeah. A completely nude boy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of... Uh, El Topo. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Jodorowsky. Um, he's clearly a puppet in this film or, you know, a prosthetic. Yeah. And uh, we get full wiener in there. So if you're looking for some full frontal nudity some, from a 12-year-old... From 8-inch boy dong. And... Uh, I mean, this is kind of a light spoiler, but I thought you might be interested in it. <laughs> a dead child autopsy in the movie. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, this is Cronenberg making a greatest hits, man. It's fucking, it's uh, Videodrome. It's Dead Ringers. It's uh, Existence. Fly. It's, uh, uh, I don't know. I haven't, you know, I haven't molded that over. Maybe there's a there's a little bit of creationism in here. Maps to the stars. No, there's none of that. Thank God. And. Again, we're not reinventing the wheel, and I understand most people have the complaint that there's a lot of interesting ideas in this movie, and almost none of them are seen all the way through. Like, this is a long two-hour movie that when it ended, uh, people who were not enjoying any of the movie went, what the fuck? It ends there? Like, they were upset that they didn't get any conclusions. Yeah. So... I like that. So maybe maybe I did enjoy a little bit of that. Maybe I do like it when an audience turns on a film. But, uh... (laughs) Shout out to a K Stu, who, having broken up with Oksana earlier in this week, I had to break up with her again and say that I am now in love with K Stu. It's official. You keep putting this in the atmosphere. I mean, you really. <laughs> I would if if you left me, I would <laughs> just turn up. to dust. But again, Oksana, all you've done for a decade is talk about your love for Edward Furlong. That is true. Clearly, every day I wake up and I tell him, "Oh, you're still not Edward Furlong." Oh, oh my god! Wow, I'll that just hurt. Say it. I can't tell you how many times I've been in y'all's car and you're playing the Edward Furlong album. D- oh, yeah, true. she's very proud of that, owning that. That crackly prepubescent voice. <laughs> No, Kastu has one of the fucking grossest kisses in this movie. It is fantastic. Tight. Um, and again, uh, one of my favorite themes, I think it's kind of lamenting the internet era and how we are so disconnected as people. Uh, the cities are empty, but when people get together to celebrate art, it's really at a dude who's tormented and dying, and they don't seem to acknowledge that. Also, there's a line in this movie that surgery is the new sex. And uh, when K. Stu goes in for a kiss, it's very awkward because even though this movie is full of uh, nudity and uh, it's very, um, I don't, would you call it titillating? I think it is kind of like Crash was, even though Crash really wasn't. And, you know, there's... It's titillating for the characters, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a lot of non-sex sex sex happening in this movie. And her one kiss is... close to home. Well, Vigo uh, responds to her kiss, and he's like, "I'm bad at uh, old sex," and it, I, I, it broke my heart, and it felt like you know the death of um, physical intimacy and just people even understanding what it's like to be around each other. I don't. I found so yeah. much to chew on with this movie. I really fucking enjoyed it. So I don't know. Maybe it's just been the week of depression for Clark, and I've been in like a weird euphoric high. Maybe we'll flip next week and I'll I'll show up to the podcast with a gun in my mouth. Who knows? After Oksana has left me for joking about breaking up with her three <laughs> times this episode. So, yeah, I don't know. I think you'll get a kick out of it. The bar is very low here. People are hating it. Um, but it is ultimately just the greatest hits of Cronenberg. Yeah, people suck. They don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Anything else? Oh, I do have another one. No, you don't. I, I don't. I you were worried, though. Like, well, can I tell you? Yeah. 
very convincing performance. Okay. I did. I you grabbed did a, my notes. You did a good job. <laughs> you did a good job. You didn't break character. I'm proud of you today. Um, thank you. Anything else? Thursday's episode. Uh, we're talking to Chad Lott from Scary Thoughts, um, an episode that we've talked about for three weeks because we recorded a while ago. Uh, but we did want to bank an episode because we did have uh, pending travel uh, with Randy, and then also I was supposed to, I'm supposed to be in Phoenix, Arizona, right now. But uh, fortunately, uh, I don't know if you've read the news, but Phoenix is no more, wiped off the map. <laughs> so uh, nowhere, there's nowhere for me to go. So I am here. Um, so, <laughs> well, Thursday. Talking, actually, talking about Phoenix, it is funny that in Dashcam, no Q talk. I feel like it was it was ripe for some Q and stuff. And see, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Why are you holding back? Well, I mean, I are feel we going to talk to one of these jerk offs? We, we got to. I we have to. All right. Yeah. What the hell? Where, yeah. Because we got Q-talk? things. We yeah. We're going to get into it with these scumbags. Yeah. I. <laughs> You know, I didn't even think about it until yeah. you mentioned that uh, Arizona just blew up. But I'm like, wait, <laughs> we're, we, we, so we've gone from Bohemian Grove to Arizona's QAnon conventions, and a dash cam didn't talk God, about what, either. What are we doing on this show? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. We're turning, I don't know, what. I have to reassess everything. We're sweating now. to death because it's a fucking swamp. Actually, I'm very comfortable right now. You don't look comfortable. I, I haven't in many, many years. You have a see-through <laughs> shirt, Ray-Ban's You say on. see, is it really see-through? I can see. Uh, what can you see? I can see like piglet pink under that shirt. It's altering your skin tone. It's making it like. I have no issue with that. Yeah, no, it's kind of hot. I have no issue with that. I'm fine. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Also, right I couldn't say it because I'm colorblind. <laughs> we'll see you Thursday. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.